0: This is iFanboy Booksplode Sleeper Book One. Hi, Booksplode, Sleeper Book One. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hello, everyone. Booksplode is the series that was unlocked by the patrons in which Josh and I take a look at a trade paperback, a collected edition, something we don't talk about in the normal show. All this year, we've been doing nostalgia trips. We spent some time in the 80s, spent some time in the 90s, and now we're in the 2000s. So we're going to take a look at Sleeper Book One, which is a fairly recent release from DC slash Wildstorm which collects two series. It collects the miniseries that led into Sleeper, which was called Point Blank, and then it includes the first 12 issues of Sleeper, the first season of Sleeper, written by Ed Brubaker, drawn by Sean Phillips, and Point Blank was written by Ed Brubaker and drawn by Colin Wilson.
1: A name I did not recognize.
0: Just to give some context, Sleeper came out in 2003, and Point Blank came out in 2002. So 2002, the Point Blank miniseries, which... Followed Grifter, the character from Wildcats, as he deals with some stuff, and that led into the Sleeper series. And Sleeper is a book that we have all talked about, especially Josh, as one of their favorite all-time series. One of the books that was very important to the early days of iFanboy. It, was within, it came out in the first couple of years of, of Fanboy existing, and it was one of those books from that classic time, that early 2000s, that was like the last sort of golden age of comics, in our opinion. So that's where we are, right, Josh? Is it all correct? All accurate? Yeah,
1: yeah. And I, what's interesting is that I think this is true. I was reading, I don't know if I was reading Sleeper in issues. If I wasn't, I was right behind it. I'm pretty sure I was. But I, I don't think I'd ever read point blank. And I think it was one of those things like, I really need to read that sometimes. And then I thought, eh. Nah. And I just never got to it. So when I read it this time, it was weird because it was like, it was familiar because I knew who the characters they were talk- talking about were. Right. But I hadn't read it. Um. So that part was kind of new.
0: Although I don't think it's necessary. I didn't read Until Trades, for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I just remember that, because I remember at the time not... Sort of avoiding Wildstorm. You know, that was not ABC, because that was Alan Moore's own line. It was separate, even though Wildstorm published it. You know, I didn't read Wildcats 3.0 when it came out. I read that in Trades. I read Sleeper in Trades. It was like I had to wait to make sure it was good, because I had been burned by all those those books. So Mm -hmm. I I definitely didn't read Sleeper until later. I, I don't think I ever read Point Blank, although... Like you said, it felt vaguely familiar. So I don't. It's hard to say exactly. It's been a long time. It's been fifteen years.
1: What's funny is I wasn't burned by Wildstorm, so I'd only read really good Wildstorm stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that the reason that I got to it was because I had been reading Joe Casey's Wildcats, and this was in that same vein. So try somebody said, "Try this. You'll you'll like this." Right. And I didn't really have a context for it. In fact, I didn't even know that was Wildstorm universe stuff.
0: Right. You know what I mean. Um, it was only later that I was like, "Oh, I see. This is all connected to that." It's very separate, especially Sleeper. Point Blank is obviously includes Grifter, which is you yeah, know, it's deep in the in the Wildstorm universe. Sleeper you could just hand to somebody and be like, "This is a really cool story that yeah. involves superpowered beings, and and it's not connected to anything really." But Tao and Lynch are both from sure, but you don't. I mean, they're, or... they're 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 not like super famous characters. You know, you wouldn't you Point wouldn't really being, know that? If you
1: were like, "I never really liked any of that stuff. I don't want to be involved," then forget it was involved. It Has nothing to do with the book that we're going to talk about. If if you don't want it to be. Right. I think that's the point I I think we're both trying to get to. Yeah.
0: And Sleeper, very critically acclaimed. This is during Ed Brubaker's time in DC. He was doing Batman. He was doing this book. This was definitely in his wheelhouse. And it's interesting because at that
1: time, or even like a a handful of years later, when you wanted to do something like it was more edgy and independent, you know, like you'd go to Wildstorm books. Right. Or maybe Vertigo instead of going to Image or going to wherever. And so, like, this was, to me, I was like, oh, this is his indie stuff at the time. That's kind of what I thought. Not entirely true, but it was definitely a different corner, you know, because Garth Ennis would do a bunch of stuff over there, and, and the good guys would do mainstream stuff, but in that context there, which I thought was kind of cool.
0: It was a time in which both Marvel and DC had a very indie bent to them. Yeah. There was still remnants of Marvel Knights. Even though this was a DC book, it was still, I mean, there's nudity, there's cursing. Yeah.
1: Before they bought Wildstorm, it was,
0: they were indie book. Yeah. I guess, you know. Felt very much like an indie comic, like an Ed Brubaker indie uh, crime comic. This would feel very much at home with uh, Incognito and with with Criminal and with, you know, everything he's been doing in Image. It feels very much in that vein. And this is Mm -hmm. also the beginning of the Brubaker-Phillips partnership that brings us books like Criminal and things like that. Let's start with Point Blank, which is, I believe, five issues? Five-issue miniseries that features Grifter dealing with some memory problems as he... Meets up with John Lynch, character from Wildcats, and is gonna get back in the game investigating a character named Tao, who I didn't know at all because he came out from books I wasn't reading. He was a hero turned villain.
1: Yeah. He was in the if you read the Alan Moore Wildcat stuff, he's in there.
0: And so then Grifter, who is a street level like assassin character, who is a prototypical Josh character, blonde, badass <laughs> funny guy. I always think of him as
1: their Wolverine.
0: Right, he spends his time in this miniseries in the fringes of the Wildstorm universe, in the in the dank bars, the, you know, the hero bars and the the places you're not going to run into, you know, your big heroes. It's sort of a, it's I mean, they're both sort of, they're both they're very much crime noir, film noir stories in which mm-hmm. Grifter's basically a private eye character who goes to meet a case and gets pulled into it in a way he didn't expect. People get shot and people die and there's murders and there's lost time and lost memories and I enjoyed reading it. Even though I felt weird reading it, if that makes any sense. In what way? Well, the story of Sleeper itself is about a different character who is undercover in Tau's organization being run by John Lynch. John Lynch gets shot in the Point Mm -hmm. Blank miniseries. And so now in Sleeper, this character, whose name I never remember... Old Carver? Carver. Is off on his own. He's a double agent adrift. In Point Blank, I almost felt like... Since I never originally had this information, I didn't need it. That's true. Again, that's I, I liked true. reading it, but like I never read this originally, so I, I and I enjoyed Sleeper just fine without it. But I did like it, and I think that's fair.
1: Like it wasn't necessary, and if it come out afterwards, and you're like, well, this wasn't necessary, but as a thing that led into a thing, and and also you know, keeping in mind that you know that's how comics work then, yeah, and still now to a certain extent, they were very different. Yes, types of books like the plotting and sort of the plotting of point blank was great. Like it was, it was confusing, but not because it
0: was poorly done. Intentionally confusing.
1: Yeah. And and there was a bunch of times where I went back and I was like, oh, he's really, okay. So here's my theme that I think became clear through the whole thing. There are certain creators who are very, very good. And as they get on in their career, they learn to be more efficient and they Mm -hmm. learn to take Shortcuts isn't exactly it, but they're they're basically doing less with more. But there's a little bit in the beginning where they're really trying to impress people, and, and you know, and trying to figure out who they are and do everything where they're just putting a lot into what they do. And I think that this is a really good period of that for Ed Brubaker. His newer stuff that you know, I, I think he's obviously got a lot of talent and craft and everything, and you're seeing it every time a criminal issue comes up. But here, I really feel like he was like trying to do something, like he hadn't proven himself to everybody yet so he had to be like look what i can do right i could apply this to darwin he got much more economical with his work as time went on to stay on a schedule you know but also to get it done but if you look at the work that was done like in new frontier it's much more labor intensive for lack of a better word than sort of some of the stuff that you see later
0: i also think that the story he's telling here with point blank especially it's very intricate story so it's, yes. it would be harder to do it more spare because there's a lot of clues and things you have to have in the story and it's about grifter's memory not being reliable so things are folding in and, and he's he's remembering things differently and he keeps repeating days so after a while i was like am i going crazy no it's grifter who's going crazy yeah so that's how it really worked and then you get to sleeper and i think that's sort of brew baker unleashed because that's really where it really felt like brew baker point blank feels more like a like he
1: was trying to fit his thing into something else yeah Yes, and it works. But the point being that like, I don't know that I have ever enjoyed Brubaker stuff as much as I enjoyed these issues or initially. Sleeper. It's my point.
0: Yeah, sleeper. Let's close the loop on Point Blank because really we are here to talk about Sleeper. And Point Blank is a nice intro into the into the characters in the world, and it's 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 in the collection, obviously. But really, I want to talk about the, the Sleeper story. But Point Blank was fun. I like Grifter as a character. The Colin Wilson art is good. Works. It's solid. I never really had any big problems with it. It's not it's not Sean Phillips, but I liked it and I liked the story. Well, for art of the time, it's pretty good.
1: Yeah. You know, like in the context of everything that was happening back then, it's sort of transitional, like getting away from what would have been mainstreamy kind of stuff into more I don't know, Britishy. and that's what it reminds me of. It's like two thousand AD kind of style.
0: And what's good about the story is that it doesn't lead directly into sleeper it's more like yeah it touches sleeper and then bounces off and comes back to what it's doing so it's like it's there the crossover is there lynch getting shots obviously a big deal for sleeper but still it's it's a different story being told than what yeah getting it, in sleeper. it does
1: give you more context on lynch which i think is not unhelpful yeah that's
0: true because i didn't know him at all really
1: yeah so you don't really have to spend so, quite so much time trying to figure out who he is in the story he's already unknown and, and i don't think that hurts it
0: I did like the sequence where he goes to visit Midnighter and he visits Jack Hawksmore. Yeah, those are fun characters. I like that bit.
1: And at that time, they were in, you know immensely important and popular. So when they showed up, it was exciting.
0: Yeah. So really, you've got Grifter playing the role of Philip Marlowe, basically, or Sam Spade, and trying to figure out why this case he's been brought into is spiraled out of control, and why he's implicated in it, and why people are trying to kill him, and. And it, you know, it never really resolves itself because the larger context continues in a sleeper. Mm-hmm. It's a very classic early 2000s story in which the hero does not save the day at the end. Yeah. He's sort of, he's caught in the grip of a villain that's much smarter than he is. Yeah. So I guess closing the loop on it would be like, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's worth reading. But if you really didn't want to, you don't have to. Yeah, you can skip right to sleeper number one. So let's talk about that. So you for years, Josh, when people talk to you about your favorite comics, you would always mention sleeper. Yeah. But you probably hadn't read it in a while, I'm assuming.
1: I hadn't. I have read it at least once like so it came out 2003 originally. So 16 years ago, say 16 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. I think I read it once in the middle there somewhere when they released trades and I think I, I I'm pretty sure I read mine again. So that would have been somewhere between <laughs> 7 and 10 years
0: ago. So I'm assuming you know? in the last, let's say 5 or so years you haven't read it. I think no, no, a f- no. fair assumption. So what overall did you Still like it? Still love it? Would you, people, would you still tell people it's one of your favorite comics? Would you still recommend it?
1: I mean, I don't know if i go so far as to say it's one of my favorite comics. It's a book that I like a lot and it stuck with me. And I did, I mean, I'm not giving anything. I really liked it this time. Mm-hmm. The thing that I liked about it, and it's sort of, it's this is a lot of the favorite comics. Of it. I just find it super compelling. I really want to know what's going to happen next. And mm-hmm. even though I've read it, I was very invested in – like, I had to rush to finish this. But, like, I was never like, ugh, I have to – I was always like, I wish I had more time to keep reading this now. Right. It's a heck of a page-turner. And, you know, my favorite book of all time is Preacher. Same thing. Like, I couldn't put the damn thing down. And this had that feeling at the time, and it was definitely sort of coming back to it. You know, we see – we've been talking about Rubaker for years and years and years now. You know, his male leads have all have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. they're men who want to do the right thing with the wrong side of stuff and they're they're driven by an inner morality but they're not sure if they should be or what like that's almost all of them right but this was the first time I'd read it I really did dig it I keep it in my mind that I I don't remember what happened but I, I remember that he didn't like season two as much it didn't have that same drive well we'll
0: definitely talk about that at the end
1: yeah yeah knowing that this was all there was though at the time it's a 12 issue series it was great i really enjoyed it I, I saw everything i liked about it and there was nothing like "Ooh, i didn't think this was good it didn't i didn't think it didn't hold up
0: at all well season two or no season two sleeper in and it itself is a very self-contained story i mean these 12 issues obviously don't resolve the problem but you can only ever read these 12 issues and you would have had a satisfying story to read absolutely as we said this is about holden carver who was a hero known as the Conductor, although he's never called that, who has, through some alien artifact, has had his nervous system replaced, so he feels no pain, he regenerates all injuries, and he can take physical, I guess, pain, but he doesn't feel it. But takes the pain, and he can send it back out as force. So if he, if you shoot him with a gun, he can then touch someone and hurt them. So he has been sent by Lynch to be undercover in the organization run, run by this guy named Tao, who is the only criticism i'd ever have of this book is I never really understood Tao that well he's sort of he's sort of a mysterious figure who we see a lot but i don't even i'm not even clear on what his powers are but it doesn't really, I think it doesn't really matter i mean i think if you'd read
1: yeah you'll read the alan moore's wildcats it's more there's more and i think i might be wrong i haven't read that in a while but i think that's how it works but also like i never actually considered that a fault that was kind of a like he's mysterious he's weird like everyone's scared of him
0: yeah he's again he's in the book a lot it's not like he's not in there but it doesn't really matter because you, you just know you're supposed to be scared of him and uh so then carver is now in trouble because lynch is the guy running his undercover op was shot in the point blank series he's in a coma uh no one knows who he is no one knows that he's really undercover it's basically like the departed no one knows he's actually a good guy <laughs> How does he keep running this line of, I've got to stay undercover, so I've got to keep doing these bad things, but really no one knows I'm actually trying to bring this organization down. So that's the tension of the book, and it's a very palpable tension. You really do feel for Carver, and you really feel tense reading it because you know like no, (laughs) there's no way out here for him because the only guy who knows he's a good guy is is in a coma. It's it's just basically him going along. There's obviously an overarching story, but really there's a lot of different missions that they go on here as you meet the people Mm -hmm. around him and – as he gets deeper and deeper into Tao's organization, as he gets to, and he gets to the top as far as he, he can get infiltrating the organization, and you meet lots of great characters. He gets to the top ranking, the, called the prodigal, with Miss Misery and the other guy whose name I don't remember. Peter Grimm. Peter Grimm,
1: and the guy before him who
0: dies. My favorite character in the book is his buddy Genocide. Genocide. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason, I just really like him, even though he's a bad guy. And then when I realized I really liked him a lot, that's when he got killed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, it's just a great – much like The Departed, but the superheroes. It's a great uh, story of, of undercover tension and anxiety. It's great. I, I really like reading this a lot. I love reading this.
1: Yeah. I, I think one of the things that was really great as you went through it is that the whole time the Holden's thing is like, wait, so am I a bad guy or am I a good guy or does it matter? Because I kind of like, like
0: doing some of this stuff. You know,
1: yeah, I, it's it's But also fun. the guys that he works for. Like he thought he was doing the good guy, the GI Joe thing, and maybe not. And then there's the whole idea: like, does Tao know? Am I am I just wasting my time? And then, right. you know, then you know later, it seems like he does, but maybe he's fucking with him. And and
0: that's the maddening part of this: these kind of stories <laughs> is you never really know. The main character doesn't know, which means you don't really know yeah. what's yeah. real or what's not real. Is is he really fooling Tao, or is Tao known this whole time he's just fucking with them? does it really matter. It's psychologically harrowing. Yeah. As he's going on these adventures, and, you know, good guys aren't 100% good. The bad guys aren't 100% bad, although some of them are. It's kind of fun to be a bad guy, you know? <laughs> it's kind of fun to have Miss Misery constantly want to bang you. Like, it's, you know, it's like yeah. So there's a real tough area he's living in. He's he's not a – it's not like he's Steve Rogers on cover. You know, it's not like he's this upstanding character. He is a yeah. guy who lives in the gray anyway, so maybe he starts getting drawn to guy. it. Yeah.
1: But at the same time, then, he, you know, it's like, well, it's, is Tau really bad? You know, like what's he doing? And Then you find out, like his whole thing is he just wants to bring it all down because it's, it's corrupt and rebuild it or whatever. But maybe that's that's what's great about Tao is that, like everything he says, you you don't know you can trust. Like he's so smart and he's so you know with it that you're you're just always wondering like. What and one of is
0: the big to. adversaries is, is the which I one of the great concepts of the book which I loved was the secret government of the world. You know, like all these <laughs> all these. The, the, Lineage kings and queens, the real rulers of the, the world.
1: What's that called? Like they, they fake it in here, but it's like the the gathering where they all get
0: together. Oh, there's all kinds of them, the the Bilderbergs and the uh, yeah. You know, it's like basically like an Illuminati type of situation where there's a, yeah. r- the real king of of America and the king of the African nations and the king of Asia, and you know, so there are right. there are these like feckless, corrupt. You know, things happening, and so he's trying to bring them down. So is that necessarily a bad thing? Not, well, not necessarily, but what's he going to do when he brings it down is, is the bad thing. It's just, this is a book that lives in gray tones, and that's a lot of fun. Let's talk about Sean Phillips, who is obviously Brubaker's collaborator. He's been working with him ever since this book. They do Criminal currently. Phillips is a very idiosyncratic artist. He's not going to get anatomy 100 correctly he's not going to get faces 100 correctly but he has an, a distinct style that's unlike everybody else you know colin wilson is a, is a solid artist but sean phillips is like a level above that even if he doesn't always get everything right it doesn't really matter but i feel like you see the growth of sean phillips throughout these 12 issues
1: 100
0: he starts off it's a little rocky but by the end i think he's really found his footing i think it's really interesting
1: that as you go through this like he's got a, I, I don't ever think of it like this but if you pull out Like you're on a digital reader and you pull it into the pages view. He does panel layouts and like nobody. And this is just his style. Right. And uh, most people do not have a grid style.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like Dave Gibbons has a nine panel grid style that he, you know, didn't make up, but popularized it to a certain extent. You know, Brian Hitch and John Cassidy with their, you know, three to four vertical panels and then big splashes. And like this always looks like a bunch of Polaroids thrown on a table. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And it's, it's consistent through the whole thing. And I didn't notice it until I pulled out to page view and I saw them all next to each other. And Oh, and it, it creates this havoc of moving through the page in a way that's very different than a lot of comic books. And I know if you listen to our regular show, you'll always hear me complaining about bad storytelling or panel stacking in somewhere. And he breaks all of the rules here and it works completely well. When you and I always just say when we talk about Sean Phillips, like "Oh, he's an amazing storyteller." And this just backed that up because I was like, "He can pull you through his
0: page, however he wants." You might be a great. genius for describing it as polaroid sewn on a table. Yeah, saying that and now, looking at it on the page view, it, it is very much like that. It is crazy. It's like you're reading a dossier. You're right. It's like you're really looking at the files. You know, there are things that don't necessarily work. You know, there's a there's a panel here where he's playing darts at the bar, and clearly he's a he's like twelve inches from the dartboard, <laughs> but it's okay because these guys cheat they're bad guys right again the level of artistry is so high it doesn't matter that that he's not necessarily doing everything 100 correctly because it is art it's not it's not photographed
1: and the tone and this acting and like all is exactly what it needs to be again if you pull out to that view you see all the blacks and where they are and how much is in you know noir shadow and And then the the other thing that was happening is is to remember in context too, this was wildcats and so even in the even in the context of the time that would have meant the authority and there were these huge sort of like, like take superheroes and crank it up and make it modern or whatever. And they just pulled it right back down, you know, to this sort of, I don't want to say groody street level. Cause, but it, that will tell exactly what I mean.
0: You're in the muck here. You're, you're in, you're in villain yeah. bars and there's nudity and cursing and, and sex and violence and good guys acting bad and people you like getting murdered and, And it's all very shadowy and dark and everyone is gray. You could take out the superhero elements and this would have been a 1940s film starring Humphrey Bogart. That's why they work so well together with books like The Fade Out, which is you a film noir story set in Hollywood in the 40s, and then So Well, Criminal, which is basically an ongoing generational noir story. And everything they've done together fits this mold because that's clearly what Rubrica likes to write. And you can see, I mean, this story sings in a way that his other work, maybe not. And he did great work for Batman and other Gotham Central and things like that. But this really... Yeah. Sings like a Brubaker book. If this came out right now, mm-hmm. I wouldn't blink an eye. You know what I mean? No, you're right. Yeah. If there's a this book called Sleeper from Image Comics, it's about superheroes and spies and things. This, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even notice that this was 15 years old. It feels very modern.
1: I'd be like, wow, he's getting really good. That's what I would think. <laughs> <laughs> also, I don't know that we made this clear. We talked about all those other work. Like, it's really fun. Yeah. It's a really fun book. There's little hints of silly here and there. Every time another villain, like a, a red shirt, basically yeah. in Tao's organization, shows up, it's great. There's got there's a real Garth Ennis quality to those guys, the X-ray guy, and <laughs> you know that one who's just like I'm a real big fan of both of your work. You know, like and yeah, oh yeah, that guy, yeah yeah the uh, what
0: kind of rat face guy? Yeah yeah it's it's there's a lot of imagination here. It's plotted well. It's funny because I I did you know I read this before I read the trades. I've read this before. I've read it, probably read it a couple times. But it's been a long time, so a lot of it was n- new to my memory, but I did remember the sort of, the broad strokes of it. I've got zero memory of, of Season 2, what Season 2 is like. I don't remember it at all.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: Which is good because apparently the, the collection of Season 2 was canceled, so they're not going to put it out in this format, which is a bummer. Because Sleeper, I guess, will forever live in an underappreciated section of comics. In which it's a great book that apparently not many people want to read. Because it was not popular when it or, came out originally. Or everybody who read it read it. Yeah. <laughs> It was not popular originally. It's not popular now. It's consistent.
1: Say that you uh, really like this and, and you decide to go out and get it and, and everybody listening does, then maybe they won't make season two. I mean, like if
0: everybody listening to this bought it, they'd make another book. That's true. I, I know. For sure. I mean, I think this is a book. First of all, don't be scared off by the Wildstorm tie. And if you haven't read those Wildstorm books, if you weren't reading comics, and you can 100% pick up this collection and read it and have no trouble whatsoever. All the information that you need to enjoy the stories on the page. So if you at all and, yeah. ha- reading Brubaker's modern crime stuff, and you haven't read Sleeper, you gotta go back because this is he, obviously this is not his f- first work. He did Scene of the Crime way back before he even did Batman. His Batman was stuff really- was very much like this. This is very much in terms of modern mainstream work, the early days of his current stuff. This is where you can see Wait, everything. Who drew doing. Scene of the Crime? That was Michael Lark, I think. Yes, 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 yes. That was fucked up. That one definitely. This is part of that great era of comics where we were discovering all this new fun stuff that was outside the mainstream or even just at the side of the mainstream. And this is yeah, you know, a very exciting time in comics where they were willing to take a lot more chances with, with what they were publishing, at least the main companies were. But I really would encourage anyone who hasn't read this book to go pick up this collection or, or any collection of Sleeper season one. Yeah, if you've been a fan of like Criminal
1: and you're like, oh, I get all the criminal away, and you haven't read this, then you're just you're... – So would you still put it
0: in that era for you? Like, that, that like this is like a top book? I don't. I mean, I don't know what my rankings would be. Oh, I'd like you right now to tell me your top twenty all-time comic books. Go. No, nothing <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: like you were gonna fool me. I'm like, okay, hang on, I'm some paper uh, of the time. Yeah, it was one of the best things that came out then. It still holds up in that way. I've read so much during that time, but like, I own this. You know, printed form. I don't do. I don't buy a lot. And it's it's still where I'm like, oh, good, I'm glad I still have this so I can because I read it digitally here. But when you just said season two wasn't coming, I'm like OK, well, I got upstairs. That's good. <laughs> like it's just it's a fun it's fun. It's really great. And it it, it does sort of solidify. All oh, right. Yeah, you get used to Ed Brubaker a little bit. He's been around a long time. He's done a lot of stuff. Some of it sort of melds with the other stuff. you go right. He's really he was really this is why this is why we fell in love. You know,
0: that kind of thing. He has his corner of comics right now. He, he lives in the crime space, which is a space you and I both love. But he is one of the best, most talented people writing comics, and he has been for, for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And I, I think people might forget that because he's one of those guys that has no interest in coming back to Marvel and DC and likes what, is, what he's doing, makes a living doing it, works in TV and film, and will stay writing criminal and the related series forever if, if he's allowed to, which is totally fine with me because I love it. But he is one of the best people in comics, most talented yeah. people in comics, for sure. This was the, I'm telling you, that, you know, 1999
1: to 2004, three, five, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. That that was really our, that was the sort of the birth of our website and when we did it, when we fell in love with comics in a different way. We were learning about them. But I I mean, as far as I'm concerned, there's so many great things that came out during that time that are kind of not equal because it all felt so fresh. But
0: that might have to do with our age. I'm sure there's some of that but there was also that post Marvel bankruptcy. Yeah. It was pre movie, so there was the spotlight still wasn't there. They were still underground in terms of mainstream yes attention.
1: And there was also this like they have nothing to lose, so you know, what do you got? And all these guys who had been raised, you know, on I I will never forget like hearing Ed Brubaker talk about, you know, going to the comic shop every you know, waiting for each new watchman in these were the guys born of that, You know, they were just the right age when all that stuff in 86 happened, all that Frank Miller stuff. And they just, you know, they got their hands on the reins, you know, as the first generation raised on those comics. And they was, Let, let's show you something. It wasn't just about being dark and gritty for the sake of doing it like, like it happened in the 90s, you know? Mm-hmm. It was like, no, we're going to do that. We're going to tell you real, going to do real stories with real characterization. But we also love the, the stuff that this stuff's built on.
0: There's real substance here. There's real substance. Yeah. I'm scrolling through it as we talk. And it's just there's a lot of great sequences and pages here. I really love in this particular volume that you get the concept sketch that was for the cover and then the actual cover. It's fun to see how that mm-hmm. changed between the, the, the sketch and the, and the finished product. Yeah. So this is a fun collection. If, if you happen to want one, this is a good one to have because you do get point blank. You get a lot of back matter. But man, this is a great superhero story. It's a great noir story. It's a private eye story. Even though it's not, it's a spy story. Those cover images really stick with me. I'm yeah. like, oh right, I, I'm.
1: Those all feel familiar and, and iconic's not really the word, but they jog a real memory for me.
0: No, the covers are. I mean, for whatever reason, they they stick in your head. Yeah. Because when I didn't necessarily remember the actual stories. I did remember the covers. Yeah. Which is funny because I wasn't reading it in single issues, but still. Yeah, surprised me. Well, so. I would say check out Sleeper. It's it's one of the best books from that era. It won't disappoint you. I don't think if you like that kind of thing, if you're a Brew Baker fan, if you're a Brew Baker Phillips fan, you have to read it. To must read. It it also it is still a superhero story. I mean, yeah. it's safely in that realm. It's, super, yep, superpowers and supervillains and good stuff. It's the departed with superpowers. Yep. So let's do ratings on it. Ratings on Sleeper Book One. Out of five stars, I'm going to give it a – I'm going to give this a volume of four and a half.
1: I'm going to go with 4.75. Well, that's,
0: that's fair. That's I mean, fair.
1: that answers your earlier question, I think.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. a great volume, though. Mm-hmm. Do not sleep on Sleeper. Hey, now. That is our discussion about Sleeper Book One. We have one more explode this year in November. So we'll be coming back to that. Until then, you can listen to the Blood, which is the sister show to this one. We alternate months. The Talksplode is Josh's interview show. Last month he talked to Brad Meltzer. Next month he'll be talking to someone. Don't know who it is, but it'll I happen.
1: Do. Josh. I knows. mean, provided they don't bail on me again because that happens. But you, so you can look for okay. those.
0: You can also listen to the Pick a Week show, which is our daily, our weekly, or not our daily, our weekly podcast. We talk about the week's comics and also our special edition shows that come out every so often. All those shows are at fanboy. Please check them out. And until November, with the next book's <laughs> what book happens, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Thank you.